0: Be sure to follow Send Me To Sleep on your preferred podcast player, so you never miss an episode and a good night's rest. Good evening. Welcome to Send Me To Sleep, the world's sleepiest podcast. I'm your host, Andrew. I'm here to help calm your mind. And send you into a peaceful night's sleep. Tonight, I'll be reading chapters 6 to 8 of The Shadow Witch by Gertrude Crownfield. So let your eyes fall heavy and your breath soften as we settle in for a peaceful. Night sleep Chapter six In one thing the wizard had spoken truly Black Shadow was a faithless servant. As yet she had not dared to attempt to rule over her fellow servants, but she longed for such power, and was always hoping that some day, she might obtain it. In her heart, she rebelled against her mistress. She would rebel outwardly when it was safe to do so. After a long time had passed, and still the Shadow Witch had not returned, she began to believe that some evil had overtaken her and if she could have been certain of it, it would have pleased her well. Her companions, becoming alarmed at the prolonged absence of their mistress, had sought for her diligently in every part of her dominions, but at last they had been compelled to give up their search. They knew that Creeping Shadow also had departed, upon what errand they could not guess. Now they waited in mournful silence beneath the overhanging trees of the garden, hoping that they soon might have tidings of them both. Leaving them there, Black Shadow walked apart, and as she walked, she pondered ceaselessly as to how soon she might venture to snatch at some part at least of the power she so greatly desired. Creeping shadow, on her way homeward, drawing nigh to the garden, saw her dark figure stealing solitary among the dim alleys. Her head bent upon her breast, "'as if in painful thought, but she could not see her face. "'She grieves for the absence of our dear mistress,' said the faithful servant to herself. "'How rejoiced she will be to hear of her approaching deliverance!' "'She called to her consolingly. "'Black shadow, oh black shadow!' I bring good news. Hearing the voice, Black Shadow raised her head. Her face, which till then had been free from grief or anxiety, suddenly changed to that of one who had sorrowed deeply and who for the first time hopes. Good news, she cried. Ah, If it comes from our mistress, tell it quickly. We have mourned her absence so bitterly and so long. With such eagerness did she speak. So sincere was the sound of her voice, that creeping shadow did not suspect of her deceit, but made haste to tell her of her visit to the wizard's cave and of all that happened since that time. Black Shadow drank in every word and pretended to be overjoyed. "'What is this gift which the prince is to receive from the elf of the Borderland?' she asked, curiously, when Creeping Shadow ceased to speak. "'That was not told me,' replied Creeping Shadow." My duty was but to lead him to the elf's door, and leave him there. Her companion bit her lip with vexation because she was unable to discover the business that had taken Prince Ember to the elf. The knowledge would have meant much to her if she could have gained possession of it. She said nothing more about the matter, however, but asked many questions concerning the prince, and Creeping Shadow, suspecting no evil, told her all that she could without reserve. When Black Shadow saw that she had learned all that her companion could tell, she laid her hand upon her arm, Come, said she, we must tell the others. They, no less than ourselves, have grieved over the absence of our dearly loved mistress. Creeping Shadow was but too eager to do so, and they set out at once. They had gone but a little way when they came upon all the rest of the shadows, still sitting beneath the trees, talking sadly among themselves with hushed voices. When their fellow servants saw the two approaching, they sprang quickly to their feet and hurried towards them, hoping that at last tidings of the shadow witch had come. Creeping shadow could not contain herself until they met, but called to them, Rejoice! Rejoice! For soon our mistress will return to us again. At this glad news, they all broke forth into joyful cries, and rushed to her side with rapid and excited questions, and no sooner had she begun to answer them, and black shadow seizing her opportunity slipped silently away from them and losing herself among the trees stole unobserved out of the garden. With all speed she took her way to the steep cliff that led to the cave of darkness. Swiftly and steadily she mounted it till she came to the mouth of the cavern, she entered without pause, strictly as it was guarded by the imps whom the wizard had placed there, that none might enter to bring help to the shadow witch, no one of them challenged black shadow, they knew her and her ways, knew also that whatever might be her errand, She was always a welcome guest to their master. An imp at once came to light her way, and she followed his flickering lantern until she came out at last into the cave hall. There she beheld the wizard deeply engaged. He sat in his huge armchair before a table, on which lay an ebony box Filled with those wands with which he worked his darkest magic, he took up the wands one by one and ran his fingers over them carefully to test their power, and having satisfied himself that they were in perfect order, he wrapped each one separately in a black cloth and laid it back in its place within the casket. The imps were not allowed to come nearer to these ones at any time than to touch the carefully locked casket as they bore it to and from its place in their master's treasure chamber. But they watched the wizard from a distance with eyes that twinkled sharply with curiosity as he sat handling them openly in their presence Black shadow drew near to him, and the wizard suddenly perceiving her, swept the remaining ones together abruptly, and placed them in the casket at once. He snapped the lid of it, and locked it with a small and twisted key, which he drew from his garments. This done, he gave his attention to his visitor, What is your errand, Black Shadow? he demanded, leaning back in his chair and composing himself to listen. I bring strange news, she replied, taking the seat before him to which he had waved her. Creeping Shadow has returned from the land of fire, bringing word that a prince is on his way to deliver the Shadow Witch from your hands. A prince? exclaimed the wizard, starting forward in astonishment. Even so, answered Black Shadow. Tell me not that it is Prince Radiance, he cried vehemently, for anguish seized him at the memory of the Sword of Flames. Nay, Returned she, it is a stranger prince, Ember by name, who knows not this land, nor the dangers which lie in wait for him here. What weapons of defense he possesses, or what his magic, we cannot guess. This only I can tell you. He is in the home of the Elf of the Borderland at this moment, there to obtain, perhaps, some gift or some instruction which will make him proof against us. Whether or not Creeping Shadow speaks falsely, she has declared to me that she knows nothing concerning his business with the Elf. "'I have no fear of anyone so small and peaceable as the elf of the borderland,' laughed the wizard contemptuously. "'It could not be in his power to bestow a gift of any worth. "'As for the prince, my servants shall redouble their vigilance at the cave mouth. "'He cannot pass them.' Be not sure of that, Black Shadow warned him. Of the magic of these fairies of the fire we know nothing. If he possesses some enchantment by which he can pass your guards unseen, if he should find and liberate your sister and escape with her from the cave, what then? Shall one who has foiled you thus be allowed to return unmolested to his own land? For a short space the wizard sat plunged in thought, for he knew well that beyond the boundaries of his cave he had no power. But presently he spoke, I have friends who will prevent that, he declared confidently. Curling smoke awaits but the word to engage himself against any who come from the land of fire. The ash goblin needs no urging against my sister. Too often she has made sport of him until he has not known which way to turn for anger And as to the wind in the chimney, merely to speak to him is to gain his consent to swoop down at once upon any adventurer into our lands. Seek these friends of mine, Black Shadow, and bid them lie in wait for this bold prince. Say to them that the wizard of the cave relies upon their aid. Black shadow rose, well pleased. With all hope of liberty for the shadow witch destroyed, she saw her way to power. I will be your willing messenger, she said. She turned away, and followed by the piercing glances of the imps, she left the cave hall, and a little later, again passed by the guard. At the cave mouth and gave into the open country without. There she glanced about her, hoping to catch sight of those whom she sought. She did not look in vain, for almost immediately the giant, curling smoke, uncurled his tail from a deep chasm in the cliff close by. "'and towered high above her, blocking the way. "'Whither do you go, Black Shadow?' demanded he hauntingly. "'You cannot pass until you answer. "'I have no wish to pass, for it is yourself whom I seek,' she returned. "'What is it that you desire?' he asked ungraciously.' For he was no friend to the Shadow Witch and made naught of her servants. I bring a message from the Wizard of the Cave, she replied. He desires your assistance. Because of an ill turn that she served him, he holds his sister prisoner and creeping shadow knowing that it would be in vain to ask any of the powerful ones in her own land to rescue her, journeyed to the land of fire to ask aid of Prince Radiance. At the very mention of Prince Radiance, whom he hated, Curling Smoke twisted himself about in a violent rage, Let him not dare to return here, lest I make short work of him, he shouted hoarsely. Let him not flatter himself that he can escape me this time as he did before. It is not Prince Radiance who comes, but another, that one so creeping shadow tells me, who alone is fated to set the Shadow Witch free. Prince Ember is his name, and even now he is close by, in the house of the Elf of the Borderland, there to receive from him, doubtless, something which will aid him to deliver my mistress, and make him proof against any who assail him, or who may seek to prevent his success. Curling Smoke laughed loud and disdainfully. "'What has the elf to give that could avail against me and my magic?' he exclaimed. "'You amuse me, Black Shadow. Go to that weakling, the Ash Goblin, with such tales, if you will.' but do not bring them to curling smoke. I repeat only what has been told me, returned Black Shadow. Whether or not it is true, I know not. I have come to you for one thing only, to obtain a promise for the wizard that you will engage yourself against this prince wherever you may encounter him. Again, Curling Smoke laughed, and his huge shape swayed boastfully from side to side. You have little need to doubt my answer, he replied. Do I not hate these strangers from the land of fire with all my heart? Am I not only too eager for an excuse to do them harm? Return, then, to the wizard, and say to him that he have need no fear that this prince will escape me. Say to him that curling smoke, greatest of all magicians, promises that it shall not be. This said... Curling smoke settled again into a cleft from whence he could watch the entire plain of ash. No one could approach him from thence without being seen by him. Black Shadow, assured of the vigilance of this powerful ally, departed at once to seek the ash goblin, whose low, mean hovel stood at some distance away among the ash mounds of the plain. So despised is the ash goblin that few ever seek his door, and when he heard upon it the sharp knock of black shadow, he started with surprise. He crept across the dingy floor, and put his bulging eye to the keyhole to peer through and discover who stood without. His astonishment at seeing black shadow was great, for never had she sought him out before, but he knew that he had no reason to fear her, so he opened to her at once. She came in, and without waiting to be invited, sank down into a seat. The Ash Goblin made fast the door, and as he did so, he turned his crafty head to her and inquired her errand. She told him all. "'Well may you come to me,' he assured. "'I have long desired.' to revenge myself upon your impudent mistress. Often she has made sport of me with her tricking shadows. Often she has even dared to make my own form flicker and dance before me. Not as it is, indeed, but twisted and misshapen, to please her own mischievous fancy. His eyes glinted with malice, and Black Shadow was well pleased to find him so willing to give his help. "'Then I will count upon you,' she said, rising. "'As I have told you, the prince is now in the elf's house. "'If you are wise,' You will go and hide yourself near it, and seize your chance to attack him as soon as he leaves its shelter. The wizard need have no fear, retorted the ash goblin. I will surely not miss so good an opportunity to avenge myself upon his sister, This ally also having been gained, Black Shadow bade himself farewell and went to the wind in the chimney. Wide is the chimney mouth which gives entrance to the wind's dwelling, for a giant must come and go through it. This entrance is dark and yawning and perilous. And none dares enter it except at the wind's will. The voice of the wind is loud when he laughs in glee, but it is louder a thousandfold when he howls with rage, and when he sweeps down from his high seat in the chimney and rushes out into the lands beyond, whistling or shrieking as he goes. He drives all before him, whether they will or not. Today the wind rested in his home, on the great rough bench which was his favourite seat, and Black Shadow had but to ask of the breezes who loiter about the chimney mouth, whether she might go in to the wind's presence to have her request granted immediately. Seldom did she trust herself to such boisterous company, but the occasion was urgent. So she entered, though not without some uneasiness, and went on and up the rough, uneven way, till she reached the huge cranny in the chimney where the wind sat humming a whining song to himself as he lounged against the chimney wall. He gave her no courteous greeting when she stood before him, but stretched his mighty arm and shoved her unceremoniously into a seat not far from himself. What do you come to ask me? Out with it quickly, he growled with some impatience, for Black Shadow had not dared to speak at once, but sat in silence for a moment, considering how best to deliver the message of the wizard so that it might meet with favour. Thus commanded, however, she delayed no longer, and presently had told her story to the end. The wind heard her with unconcealed pleasure. Ho, ho, he howled, puffing his round cheeks till they seemed like to burst. We shall have great sport with this bold prince when he ventures forth from the elf's dwelling for I am the wind in the chimney and nothing stops or stays me in what I set out to do. Prince Ember has no magic that will proof against me and so far as anything that the elf can do for him goes, I scorn it. So confident was he that he laughed till the chimney shook and rattled, and the soot that lined its walls fell thick over the head and shoulders of his guest. Hearing their masters' uproarous laughter, the breezes came stealing in to discover its cause, but the wind frowned upon them and buffeted them to right and left so sternly that they rushed quickly out again without daring to speak. The wind turned to black shadow. Go back to the wizard, he commanded her gruffly. Tell him that the chimney shall fall in ruins, and the wind himself become as the faintest of his breezes before this Stranger Prince succeeds in his purpose of setting free the Shadow Witch. He shook his mantle. He tossed his great shaggy head and whistled loudly. I am the wind, the wind in the chimney. Ha, ha, ho, ho, ha, ha. Pursued by his braggart whistling and the hoarse echoings of his mirth, Black Shadow left him and hurried back to the wizard's cave to make known to him the success of her mission. Chapter 7 When Prince Ember said farewell to Creeping Shadow, and stepped into the elf's house. He found himself in a curious room, whose walls were grey with ash, whose floor was covered so thick with it that his feet sank into it and made no sound. It was as if he trod on softest down. In the middle of the room stood the elf with pudgy hand extended welcome good prince he said heartily you come on the business of the shadow witch for I know the knock of her servant creeping shadow what is it that you desire I am on my way to deliver the shadow witch the prince made answer taking his hand The wise one has bade me ask of you a certain marvellous cloak of ash to conceal me from my enemies. He said that here only is the secret of its making known, and that you will not refuse to provide me with it. The wise one has spoken truly, returned the elf, But he has doubtless told you also that you must wait while this cloak is woven especially for you. That he has, replied Prince Ember. But let it be done quickly, I beg of you, for who can tell what the Shadow Witch may suffer at the hands of her brother if my coming be long delayed?' Not a moment shall be lost, the elf assured him. Still holding him by the hand, he drew him to a narrow door at the farthest end of the room. He opened it and revealed beyond it the prince saw a vast chamber, filled with elves hurrying silently to and fro on tasks strange to him. The moment their master entered with Prince Ember, every elf stood still, ready to hear and obey whatever command might be given to them. Where is the weaver of the cloak? inquired the elf. There is work for him to do. Instantly, a very ancient elf separated himself, "'from his companions and came to stand before the elf of the borderland. "'I am ready, master,' he said. "'The cloak is to be for this prince,' the elf told him. "'Use your best silk in the weaving so that it may be potent against his enemies, for much depends on it. "'It will not fail him, master,' responded the weaver confidently his keen old eyes swept the prince from head to foot he needed to take no other measure then when he turned to a dim loom beside the wall and standing before it he began to spread the fairy warp under the watchful eye of the elf as he did so the elves came hurrying noiselessly with the magic ash which was to fill it. Deftly the weaver began to weave, crooning the mystic weaving song meanwhile, so that the magic of its words might sink into every part of the cloak and make its power certain. He feared not to weave it under the eyes of him who should receive it, for he knew well that he who wears the cloak may see it woven and hear the song, but no sooner has the cloak fallen upon his shoulders than he forgets what his eyes had beheld and his ears had heard. Thus The secret of the ancient weaver remains with the elves of the borderland. Steadily the cloak of ash grew under the skillful hands of the weaver. Steadily the prince watched the shuttle come and go. Never once did the ancient weaver rest. Never once did he cease to sing his mystic song nor did the elves pause as they came and went, bringing the magic ash for the cloak's fashion. At last the moment came when the weaver's shuttle stopped, the song ceased and the elves stood still. The elf turned to the prince. The cloak is finished, he said. He bent down, and lifted it soft and silvery from the loom, and Prince Ember stretched eager hands to receive it. Give heed to my words, the elf admonished him, as he delivered it to him. In the cave of darkness only will you be endangered by the spells of the wizard himself. There only he has power, and he never leaves its shelter and the weapons of enchantment which it contains. But in the lands without he has powerful and evil friends who will not be slow to help him against his enemies if he desires it. From all but one of these the cloak will conceal you, The elf paused for a moment and then went on more earnestly. Though your foes will not behold you, yet you must be on your guard against them, for who can say what traps they may have set for you, what snares may await you? Beware, therefore, of the ash goblin. He is small of stature, but he cannot safely be despised, for he is very cunning. He will not only assist the wizard gladly because he hates his sister, but for some grudge also that he bears to the dwellers in the land of fire. He will not fail to wreak his spite on any who comes from thence. I will not forget your warning, prince ember promised beware also of curling smoke the elf continued no more wicked and dreadful than he inhabits the lands you must pass through he travels far and wide and because prince radiance lately conquered and scattered him by the power of his sword of flames He has vowed to be revenged upon one and all who enter here from the land of good fire fairies. Again, Prince Ember assured him that he would remember. The elf drew closer to him and laid his hand upon the prince's arm. Beware, he adjured his solemnly. Beware of the wind in the chimney. Against him only the cloak may not protect you. His eyes are keen to pierce disguises. His hands are strong to break down spells. See to it that he does not snatch from you in an unguarded moment this sheltering cloak. Once more... The prince gave his promise, and stretching his hand in gratitude to the giver of so priceless a treasure, poured out his thanks. But the elf checked him. Speak not of it, he protested kindly. The elves of the borderland rejoiced to have a part in any noble undertaking, only succeed, and we are well repaid. The wise one has said that I shall be victorious, declared the prince confidently, and when my task is done, and the shadow witch has returned in her freedom to her own land, I shall preserve as my chief treasure this marvellous cloak which you have been as such pains to weave for me. The elf smiled and shook his head. Not so, he answered. None takes the cloak of ash from the borderland. Then I will return it safe to your hands, the prince assured him. There will be no need, replied the elf, for the cloak perishes when its work is done with these words he led him from the dim room where the marvel had been wrought and brought him to the outer threshold of his house there the prince bade him farewell good fortune go with you responded the friendly elf in a cautious undertone put on the cloak now and go forth. In obedience to his words, Prince Ember threw the cloak about him and fastened it securely. As its soft and delicate folds enveloped him, the cloak became invisible at the same time that the prince himself became fully concealed by it. He lifted the latch and opened the door, and passed silently out into the borderlands. Chapter 8 The Ash Goblin was filled with pride. To have his assistance asked by so powerful a magician as the Wizard of the Cave was something that had never before occurred. Although he was small and weak, he was also desirous of having a part in any mischief that might be going on. And now that his chance had come, he was determined to prove all those who had hitherto despised him and overlooked him, that his cunning and skill in every magic were fully equal to their own. Scarcely had the door of his hovel closed upon Black Shadow than he locked it securely. Then he hurried across the room and pressed upon a certain spot in the wall. It yielded to his touch, and a portion of the wall slid back upon itself, showing a small, rude cupboard within Upon a shelf there lay a book, covered with dust. It was his book of craft. He took it out and carried it to a table. He undid the rough clasp that bound the book and began to turn the dingy pages. At length he reached the one whereon the spell that he sought was written. The letters were crabbed and dim with age, and the ash goblin strained his eyes to see them, following the words with his crooked forefinger. He read the spell through carefully again and again, until he was certain that he knew it by heart. Then he closed the book and returned it to its hiding place and went to the chest that held his pouch and cloak taking them out again he carried the pouch to the hearth and filled it to the brim with the evil ash that lay thick there he bound the pouch about his waist covered himself from head to foot with the cloak and left the hovel closing the door tightly so that none could enter in his absence. The plain of ash stretched wide and grey between the hovel of the ash goblin and the borderland where the elf dwells. In the borderland itself, no evil fairy can practice his craft, but the ash goblin knew a spot where the plain meets the borderland, which all must cross in passing the elf's house to the wizard's cave, or from the cave to the land of shadows. At this spot he proposed to set a cunning snare for Prince Ember. Across the great plain he scuttled in haste, so like to the ashes about him was he in colour, that only those who knew him well would have been able to see him at all. He held his head down, and his hood was pulled low over his forehead, but though his face was carefully concealed, his sharp eyes peered out, searching the plain to see if the prince were anywhere about but there was no sign of him, and being satisfied that he was still within the elf's dwelling, the ash goblin went rapidly to the spot which had been chosen, with his eyes fixed upon the door through which the prince must come. He had not quite reached the place, when suddenly he saw the elf's door opening slowly, Vexed that he had not arrived in time, but knowing how great a risk he should run if he were seen by the prince before the snare was set, he dropped down quickly beside a hillock of ash, where he could see without being seen. There he would lie hidden until Prince Ember had gone by on his way to the cave. After that, he knew he could make ready his snare at his leisure. Sure in his heart that if the prince was so fortunate as to escape the wizard, he could not fail to be entrapped by the snare, when, as he must on his homeward journey, pass that way again. But to his great surprise, although the door opened wide, It remained so for a moment only, and then closed again silently, without his having seen anyone come out of it. Afraid to venture forth immediately, he watched for a little longer, but the door remained shut, and finally the Ash Goblin came out from his hiding place and began to set his stare still keeping a watchful eye over the elf's house as he did so. As a matter of fact, however, when the elf's door had stood open, Prince Ember had passed out of it, and concealed by the cloak of ash, had proceeded on his way to the wizard's cave. The ash goblin, on his own part, had been so well hidden by the mound of ash where he had crouched down, that the prince had passed close by him without having perceived him. So while the ash goblin worked busily upon his snare, Prince Ember traversed the plain of ash, keeping always in view that black cliff towards which creeping shadow had pointed before she left him. Even from a distance it looked forbidding, yet the bold spirit of the prince did not quail at the thought of the unknown dangers that await him there. Straight forward he went over the long stretches of ash, past high mounds, and low grey hillocks, and through shallow vales. As he journeyed, he remembered the elf's warning, and would not have been surprised if he had been set upon at any moment by any of the foes that had been mentioned to him. But a deep silence filled the plain, and nowhere did he see anything that could molest him. Never had the prince believed that there could be a land so empty and so lonely. He arrived at the foot of the cliff and began to mount the steep path that led to the cave's mouth. Up and up he went, still on his guard, but still seeing no foe and hearing no sound. Now on this side, now on that, deep and dark crevices yawned, but his feet went surely and safely on. In one of these same crevices, curling smoke lay hidden, peering out with watchful eyes across the grey expanse to catch the first glimpse of the ruddy stranger Of whom Black Shadow had told him. Yet under his very eyes the prince was travelling, and he saw him not. At length Prince Ember reached the entrance to the wizard's cave. Standing there, he looked first across the plain, and then into the gloom of the cavern. But no enemy was in sight. Quickly he removed the cloak of ash, and then, as fairy raiment always may when fairy fingers press it, it became as small as a kerchief in his hand. He thrust it to a place of safety in his belt. If curling smoke had been leaned a little farther out at the moment from the dark hollow, in the cliffside where he lay. He may surely have seen him, but crouching low so that he might not be seen by the one for whom he watched, he saw nothing and did not guess that the prince was actually within the reach of the giant's arms. So, guarded from all his enemies, Prince Ember passed into the cave of darkness, not knowing how well the elf's good gift had already served him.